Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, all the flipping and folding phone news from today's Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event, a big crypto crime in the DeFi space. Did AWS beat out Microsoft for a secret NSA contract? And why are all of the major tech platforms so concerned about protecting kids all of a sudden? Not that that's a bad thing. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. So it was another Galaxy Unpacked event from Samsung this morning, but today it was mostly about foldables. Samsung announced the Galaxy Z Fold 3 with a 120Hz 7.6-inch primary screen, S Pen support, and IPX8 water resistance. All of this on sale starting August 27th for $1,799. The Z Fold is the long candy bar looking foldable that has a fully functional cover screen that operates like a normal slab of glass smartphone. But when you unfold it to get to the main screen, you have that tablet style 6.7 inch display. Quoting 9to5 Google. In terms of size, it's virtually identical to the Galaxy Z Fold 2 with a 6.2-inch outer display and a 7.6-inch inner display. That's not to say improvements can't be found, though. With the outer display, Samsung is upgrading the HD Plus panel with a faster 120Hz refresh rate without sacrificing on resolution or the Super AMOLED tech. The inner display, meanwhile is the same 7.6-inch 120Hz panel, but this time with thinner bezels for an overall smaller footprint, 67.1 by 158.2 by 16 millimeters when folded, and 128.1 by 158.2 by 6.4 millimeters when opened up. Weight also drops a bit to 271 grams. There's also a selfie camera that hides underneath the inner display, a first for any Samsung product. You'll take a hit on quality at just 4 megapixels, but the outer display has its own 10 megapixel selfie camera, and you can also use the rear shooters with the cover display for even better quality. Sticking with the hardware, Samsung has only marginally altered the design with more rounded corners and an updated design for the camera module. The cameras themselves, though, are mostly unchanged from the Fold 2 with a trio of 12-megapixel sensors, standard ultra-wide and telephoto, only using Corning DX Plus glass over top this time. Durability is a clear area Samsung tried to improve on the Fold 3 2. The entire package now offers actual water resistance rated at IPX8, which should mean that an accidental drop in the water, spill, or getting caught in the rain should leave the device just fine. Samsung also says that the top plastic layer of the Fold 3's display is 80% stronger than the Fold 2 and should feel smoother to the touch. On the note of that display, Samsung has also managed to bring the S Pen to its foldables. You'll get the same accurate and low-latency writing as the Note series is known for, but with a special S Pen Fold Edition that has a retractable tip to prevent damage to the screen. A special case will also be available to hold the stylus, but neither are included, and the S Pen won't work on the outer display. Under the hood, the Galaxy Z Fold 3 offers up the Snapdragon 888 processor with its full 5G support, including MMWave. That's paired with 12GB of RAM on all models and either 256GB or 512GB of storage. There's no micro SD card slot or headphone jack for that matter. Stereo speakers are also here, end quote. So that's the Fold. Samsung, however, also announced the Galaxy Z Flip. 3 with a 120Hz 6.7-inch internal display plus a 1.9-inch fold-out panel starting at $999, shipping August 26th. 
This is the phone that looks sort of like a Razer flip phone of old. Quoting 9to5Google again. One of the first thoughts around foldable smartphones is a high price tag, but that tune is changing. Today, Samsung is officially announcing the Galaxy Z Flip 3, its first foldable smartphone to carry a triple-digit price. Unlike its most expensive counterpart, the Galaxy Z Fold 3, the Flip series is designed to imitate the form factor of a classic flip phone. You can't do much from the outside, but you'll end up with a smaller, more pocketable device that still packs a sizable display. Getting right to the internal display, it's a 6.7-inch FHD Plus display, just like the last time around, though now with a faster 120Hz refresh rate. When folded, there is still a cover display, and this time it's a much bigger 1.9-inch panel that's big enough to show a full text message or display additional information on a widget. The Flip 3 comes in at a tiny 72.2 by 86.4 by 17.1 millimeters when folded up and weighs 183 grams, just a little more than the standard Galaxy S21. Like the Fold 3, Samsung also says the plastic outer layer of the Flip's main display is 80% stronger, but it won't work with the S Pen. But the hardware is also IPX8 water resistant. Looking at the spec sheet, there's a Snapdragon 888 and its associated 5G at the core, MM Wave included. That's paired with 8GB of RAM and either 128GB or 256GB of internal storage. The package is powered by a 3,300 mAh battery that accepts 15 watts wired charging and 10 watts wireless. In the camera department, Samsung is offering a 10MP selfie camera on the internal display with a duo of 12MP sensors on the outside. One is a standard lens with the other ultra-wide, both using Corning DX glass." End quote. I'd say that the Fold is the sexier-looking phone, though the Flip is pretty impressive-looking unfolded. Those bezels are tiny. Of course, it's way more expensive, too. Anyway, there's more. Samsung also announced the Galaxy Watch 4, starting at $249, and Galaxy Watch 4 Classic, starting at $349, both with Wear OS powered by Samsung, shipping August 27th, quoting The Verge. I get the sense with these two smartwatches that Samsung is hitting a bit of a reset button with its wearables lineup. Yes, there's the Wear OS operating system, but Samsung is also taking the opportunity to tweak the branding on its ranges. So instead of splitting its smartwatches between the active and regular ranges, now there's the default Watch 4 and the more premium Watch 4 Classic. The Watch 4 is best thought of as a successor to the Watch Active 2 from 2019, which means that yes, Samsung has skipped the Active 3 rest in peace. While the Watch 4 Classic with its chunkier design and rotating bezel looks like a follow-up to last year's Watch 3. Basically, the Galaxy Watch 4 is now the default and the Classic is the step-up version. The big difference between the two models is that the Watch 4 Classic has one of those physical rotating bezels that we've liked so much on Samsung's previous smartwatches, while if you opt for the standard Watch 4, there's a touch-sensitive bezel accessible by swiping at the edges of the screen. The Watch 4 Classic is also made of a more premium stainless steel rather than the aluminum you'll find on the Watch 4. On the right of both watches are a pair of control buttons. The lack of physical bezel means the Watch 4 is more compact of the two models, and it's also around a millimeter slimmer than its predecessor, the Active 2. The Watch 4 is available in 40mm and 44mm versions, while the Watch 4 Classic is available in 42 and 46mm versions. Both ranges 
have the same screen sizes and resolutions with a choice of either a 1.2 inch 396 by 396 display in the smaller body or a 1.4 inch 450 by 450 display in the larger one. That means higher resolution screens across the board, particularly if you opt for a larger model. External differences aside, internally both watches share a lot of the same specs. They're both powered by the same 5 nanometer Exynos W920 processor Samsung detailed yesterday, paired with 1.5 gigabytes of RAM and 16 gigabytes of storage. Battery capacity varies between sizes, but Samsung reckons you'll average around 40 hours of battery life regardless of model. There's LTE on select models, but if you were hoping for 5G, you'll be disappointed. Samsung says it doesn't think it's worth it because the amount of data smartwatches process is too small, end quote. And one more thing. Samsung also announced the $150 Galaxy Buds 2 with active noise cancellation and a similar design to the Galaxy Buds Pro, all available August 27th. These are apparently the smallest and lightest wireless earbuds yet with active noise canceling and wireless charging. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again, and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. In one of the biggest crypto heists of all time, reportedly, 
The group behind Poly Network, a cross-chain protocol used for DeFi applications, says a hacker has stolen $611 million worth of crypto using what one researcher thinks was a basic crypto flaw. Quoting the block, Poly Network is a protocol for swapping tokens across multiple blockchains, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ontology. It was formed by an alliance between the teams behind multiple blockchain platforms, namely NEO, Ontology, and Switchio. According to the block researchers Igor Gamerdiev, the root cause of the hack was a cryptography issue, which is not usually the case. It may have been similar to the AnySwap exploit, which saw $7.9 million stolen due to a hacker reversing the private key. The hack has also had wider implications. As a result of it, O3, a trading pool that uses Poly Network to trade tokens among different blockchains, has had to suspend its cross-chain functionality. The assets stolen were $273 million worth of Ethereum tokens, $253 million in tokens on Binance Smart Chain, and $85 million in USDC on the Polygon network. Since the theft... Tether has blacklisted the USDT on Ethereum that was stolen in the attack, roughly $33 million in tokens. That means they can no longer be moved, end quote. Even more wild, the attacker who stole the tokens is now reportedly returning them, at least as of now, returning more than $4 million in USDC, BTCB, Shiba, and others, saying they were, quote, ready to surrender, quoting the block again. After the heist, blockchain security firm Slowmist claimed that they already tracked down the attacker's IP and email information while the investigation on other ID intel relating to the attacker continued. Slowmist's Weibo post on Tuesday suggested that the attacker used a little-known Chinese crypto exchange called Hu when putting together the funds for the attack, hinting at how their digital footprint was trailed at the beginning. Other crypto sleuths also found details relating to other exchanges that may help to identify them. Around 4 UTC time on Wednesday, the attacker wrote, quote, ready to return the fund in an Ethereum transaction that was sent from the Poly Network exploiter address to itself. That message was followed by another one that reads, quote, failed to contact the Poly, I need a secured multi-sig wallet from you, end quote. About 20 minutes later, the team behind the Poly Network responded to the exploiter address through a transaction that it is, quote, preparing a multi-sig address controlled by known Poly addresses, end quote, and in a follow-up transaction, the Poly Network team identified three addresses that they hope the attacker returns the funds to. The money is currently being sent to these addresses, end quote. According to sources, the NSA awarded a cloud computing contract worth up to $10 billion to AWS. But, you know, it's the NSA, so this was a secret contract, unlike the whole Jedi contract for the Pentagon. However, like that brouhaha, there are hurt feelings here, too, as Microsoft has reportedly filed a bid protest with the General Accounting Office in response to ostensibly losing out on the deal. Quoting nextgov.com. The contract's codename is Wild and Stormy, according to protest filings, and it represents the second multi-billion dollar cloud contract the U.S. intelligence community, made up of 17 agencies including the NSA, has awarded in the past year. In November, the CIA awarded its C2E contract, potentially worth tens of billions of dollars, to five companies, AWS, Microsoft, Google, Oracle, and IBM, that will compete for specific task orders for certain intelligence needs. 
Details on the NSA's newly awarded cloud contract are sparse, but the acquisition appears to be part of the NSA's attempt to modernize its primary classified data repository, the Intelligence Community GovCloud. For the better part of a decade, the NSA has moved its data, including signals intelligence and other foreign surveillance and intelligence information it ingests from multiple repositories around the globe, into this internally operated data lake. Analysts from the NSA and other IC agencies can run queries and perform analytics against. In 2020, intelligence officials signaled an intent to bring in a commercial cloud provider to meet demands caused by exponential data growth and massive processing and analytics requirements that are challenging the NSA's ability to scale. The effort, called the Hybrid Compute Initiative, would effectively move the NSA's crown jewel intelligence data from its own servers to servers operated by a commercial cloud provider." Devs, these things just keep coming. OpenAI has debuted a private beta for Codex, an API for turning natural language into code of one of over a dozen coding languages. Codex, by the way, is what powers GitHub's Copilot, quoting VentureBeat. Able to understand more than a dozen programming languages, Codex can interpret commands in plain English and execute them, making it possible to build a natural language interface for existing apps. According to OpenAI, the Codex model available via the API is most capable in Python, but is also proficient in JavaScript, Go, Perl, PHP, Ruby, Swift, TypeScript, Shell, and others. Its memory, 14 kilobytes for the Python code, enables it to take into account contextual information while performing programming tasks, including transpilation, explaining code, and refactoring code. OpenAI says that Codex will be offered for free during the initial period. Quote, Codex empowers computers to better understand people's intent, which can empower anyone to do more with computers, the company wrote in a blog post. We are now inviting businesses and developers to build on top of OpenAI Codex through our API. End quote. The rolling controversy around Apple scanning photos for CSAM images continues, but have you noticed there is a bit of a trend going on with all of the platforms suddenly pulling out all of the stops to protect kids better online? I'm not saying there's anything nefarious behind this, and certainly nothing wrong. Protecting kids is a good thing. But why is this happening now? Why all of a sudden? Has there been some sort of behind-the-scenes pressure from, I don't know, some authorities somewhere about getting serious about protecting kids. For example, just so far this week, Google announced it will let under 18 users delist photos by request, restrict ad targeting of children based on age, gender, or interest, and a lot more, including with YouTube, quoting The Verge. Google says it's introducing its changes based on new regulations being introduced in some countries and that it wants to offer, quote, consistent product experiences and user controls globally. Requesting an image's removal from Google's image search won't remove it from the web entirely, Google cautions, but it says this should give users more control over the spread of their images. Alongside its changes to ad targeting, Google also says it's expanding safeguards to stop age-sensitive ad categories from being shown to teens. The search giant is also making a number of other tweaks to its services for children. Safe Search will now be on by default for users under the age of 18, after previously being on by default for users under 13. The feature which blocks explicit results from appearing in search is also coming to Google's web browser on smart displays. Users under the age of 18 will also no longer be able to turn location history on in their Google account setting. Google says the setting is already off by default for all accounts. Assistant-enabled smart devices will also be able to block news, podcasts, and access to the web in the coming months. 
On YouTube, autoplay will be off by default for kids under 18, and it's turning on break reminders. YouTube Kids is getting a new autoplay option, but it'll also be off by default, and there will be new resources available, quote, for young people and their parents to help them better understand Google's data practices, end quote. The changes are similar to what Facebook introduced last month when it said Instagram accounts for kids under 16 will be set to private by default, meaning users have to choose to make their profiles public. It also banned ads targeted at children based on their interests or their activity, although it still allowed them to be targeted based on age, gender, and location, end quote. Hey, since it is Samsung's day, and since you all gave me so much crap for complaining about that earlier Dell laptop that I bought, I thought I should let you know that I replaced that one with one of those Galaxy Book Pro 360s. And yes, you were right. It's not the Windows ecosystem that sucks. It's, well, it's if you buy a mid-range laptop, you get what you pay for. However, this new Galaxy Book Pro 360 works great. I feel like the screen is maybe the best I've ever seen on a laptop. It's insanely thin and sexy. Like, this thing is so thin. It makes the MacBook Air look and feel like the phone book, which, remember those? They were big and thick and heavy. The only niggle that I have actually is that the trackpad is still sort of frustrating. Don't know why Apple is the only one that can get that perfect and everyone else just kind of gets halfway there, but anyway, yeah, good build quality allows me to feel how grown up the Windows platform is these days, so consider this a mea culpa. Windows fans, talk to you tomorrow. Oh, and real quick edit, we do have a Twitter space tonight at the usual time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking about, what else, today's Samsung event and some other things as well. Now, talk to you tomorrow.